Welcome to Forward, the podcast where we travel the globe through the magic of audio. I'm your host, Alison Innes, and each episode I bring you a conversation with one of our researchers from Brock University's Faculty of Humanities. Today's episode, though, is a little bit different from our usual. Instead of interviewing a researcher, today I'm going to be talking with one of our graduates. April Pett graduated from our French program in 2007 and has gone on to build up a successful tour company in Paris, France. Her company, April in Paris Tours, offers private walking and chauffeur tours of the City of Lights. Listen on to learn more about April's story. So welcome, April. Hello, bonjour. I am very glad to be talking with you. We have corresponded a few times and uh, it's nice to it's nice to finally finally catch up and, and meet you virtually um, all the way from France. Yes, yes. Well, thank you. I was wondering if to start with you um, would like to introduce yourself and just tell us a little bit about yourself and what it is that you do in France. Sure. Well, first of all, thank you so much for um, reaching out and inviting me to come along to uh, the podcast uh, today. Um, so my name is April Pett, and I am from Thorold, Ontario, which is right next to Brock. Um, and I studied at Brock University. I graduate, graduated in the year 2007 with a bachelor's in modern languages in French and Italian. Um, and since my graduation, I have found myself over here in France. So um, it's been seven and a half years that I've lived over here in Paris. And um, here I am putting my, uh, you know, language skills to good use. And I have a tour company here. Excellent. Well, I have so many questions for you. I'll start at the very beginning. Um, so how, how or why did you become interested in studying French? Well, um, my family is Italian and my great grandparents moved to Thorold uh, back in the 50s. And so growing up with the Italian heritage, um, you know, I studied Italian right off the bat, pretty much since I could ever speak. And then um, throughout my elementary school education, uh, it was mandatory to learn French and just languages became my grand passion. As I grew older, um, I continued the language studies all through my high school career and then was deciding what path to pursue when um, going into my post-secondary education, you know, I thought that that their language and culture, that was all my great passion. So um, that's the path that that I took. And studying languages kind of came naturally to me just with the influence of my my nono and my nona and my mom and um, the big Italian uh, community in Thorold. So studying French came, it was pretty much next to nothing. And I really enjoyed learning about the history and the culture, the language, and then had an opportunity to go to Quebec a few times as I was growing up. Um, and so I yeah, I just kind of went with it from there. <laughs> so how do you go from, from studying French in Niagara to building a, your own tour company in Paris? That's a pretty big leap across the pond. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I get this question a lot, actually. Um, well, during my third year of studies at Brock, I had an opportunity through um, the language program uh, the Italian program, to to be precise, to to go to Italy for a three week course and study Italian art Renaissance, um, 
And then at that same very moment, I found out about a study abroad program in the south of France offered through Brock. And um, I guess that's when you could say my love affair with France began. Um, I had been to Paris once before when I was graduating from high school, and I, I really loved the city itself. And then by coming abroad again for such a lengthy uh, amount of time, during my third year of university, I was overseas for a total of 14 months. You know, I really got to the op- I really had the opportunity to um, immerse myself in the French culture, eat lots of that delicious cheese, uh, learn more about the history and the language. Um, and, you know, to be honest, it wasn't my goal to move back to France after my studies. I did travel a little bit um, for a few months and then I uh, settled down back in Niagara and had a good job and had a boyfriend and then three and a half years passed and I thought, okay, I'm not ready for this and I decided to go live in Australia. And so I was in Australia for two years, but there I lost all the French that I had spent all those years fine tuning. And so that was when I decided to come back to France. And uh, the main reason for that was to improve my French skills because I was a little bit rusty upon my arrival. And once I arrived in Paris, I started working with an American tour company. Coming from Niagara, I always worked in tourism uh, during my university career. And uh, I've been lucky and fortunate enough to, to have traveled around the world. So after a year of working with this tourism company, you know, I thought, okay, time to do something a little bit more significant. Uh, I was turning 30. So it was a milestone birthday. And that's when I decided to use all of these passions and launch April in Paris Tours, the name of my company. It's a wonderful name. (laughs) So what are some of the challenges in setting up your own business in a foreign country? I think the idea of, of, of being an entrepreneur at home is daunting enough, um, let alone adding language and culture and um, bureaucracy of a, another country um, that's unfamiliar to the mix. Oh, let's not talk about the <laughs> <Okay>. bureaucracy. <laughs> um, I don't know what it's like in other countries, but in France, you must be prepared to do a lot of paperwork. Um Of course, there's always a language barrier as well. And, you know, when I first arrived and I um, was still improving, you know, when I launched the company, I I was still in the stages of of improving my language skills. And I may not have had all the technical terms um, to to go and meet partners and set up the website and copywriting the names, etc. So... Really, um, what what I had prepared for myself was a little introduction, fine-tuned that speech when going out to uh, meet people who I thought would be, you know, a key uh, player in, in developing my business. And I always recommend wearing a smile. Did you... Um partner with anybody in France or did you just like, this was just you, your thing, do it solo? Yeah, no. Um, so I do have partners across, uh, across the city. I, uh, such as restaurateurs, uh, fromagers, pâtissiers, um, you know, 
finding those people was relatively easy if I'm if I could say that because you know they they were very excited to see a foreigner come to them and wanting to develop a business in in their home country or even their hometown uh, you know so um, and one other challenge that I came across when beginning this journey was well I had, the knowledge of the history and, and and the culture and the food, etc. But when it came down to developing a website and graphic design and social media, I had no idea whatsoever how to do these um, tasks to, to to really develop the company. And so, once people started hearing about this new project that I was working on, whether it was through word of mouth or through, um, you know, my personal Facebook, I was really surprised. And it was very heartwarming that people from all over the world that I'd met through my travels were reaching out to say, oh, April, you know, I, um, I can do this for you. I'd be happy to make your logo. Oh, I can help you make your website. I'm a social media guru. Let me help you and, you know, assist you and get going with that. So, uh, you know, those that was one of the huge challenges to get to know all of this background work that you have to put into developing a company. Um, and so, you know, I'm so ever so grateful for all these people who kind of reached out to lend a helping hand. So while on a worldwide spectrum, these aren't partners per se, but um, people really came together and uh, really wanted to help. So I'm so happy about that. Forever grateful. That's wonderful. And so how, how big is your company now? I noticed on your website, you offer a lot of package tours. So I <laughs> offer... Uh, I believe it's 24 tours on my website now. Um, I'm currently in Burgundy. France is in uh, lockdown. And so I'm developing um, tours here in Burgundy, which is one of the biggest wine regions in France. And so um, I do work with several contractors and license guides um, in Paris at this point. I work with, I'd say, five licensed guides uh, who are Class A guides who are authorized to enter the Grand Museums of Paris, like the Louvre, for example. Um, I also work with um, a few artists and a chocolatier and a pastry chef. And then I have a few uh, private chauffeurs, just in case you need to be picked up or brought to the airport or train station, wherever you need to go, really. You are making me hungry with all this talk about chocolate and uh, and pastries. Um, it sounds really delightful. Now, well, as, as we record this, we've kind of just crossed the boundary into year two of, uh, of COVID life. And so that must be, that must be really challenging. Um, you mentioned that you're in Burgundy um, at the moment. I, I can imagine worse places to be locked down and, uh, you're not sitting idle. So how, um, how has the pandemic been affecting your tourism business? Well, um, as of March 2020, tourism in Paris really came to a standstill. In 2019, 20 million people came to Paris. And last year, it seems like maybe 20 people in total, <laughs> uh, just due to, due to the pandemic. Um, 
So when the pandemic uh, began, you know, all of the tours that I had lined up for 2020, which was really gearing up to be my most successful year uh, ever, everybody had to cancel their plans, their flights were canceled, everything was canceled. Um, I've been lucky enough, though, that um, most of my clients are have said, you know, April, once this is over, we are coming back to Paris. We're coming for you. So uh, that's really kept my spirits high. Um, I did come back to Canada for most of 2020, to be honest, uh, to spend the time with my family in such a difficult scenario and with no work. It just seemed like uh, uh, the good, the right thing to do uh, for for myself. Um, but... <clears throat> In, in the late fall, I came up with the idea to launch virtual tours. And so even though we have been in lockdown for the most part of the year, um, how I have developed these virtual experiences is via Zoom. And I offer a presentation with photos and videos and live commentary. Uh, so, so that's really kept me busy over the past few months. And in the meantime, um, with with the downtime anyway, it's also given me the opportunity to develop new ideas. So once the borders do open and the tourists do come back to Paris, I do have a new a few new tours um, up my sleeve to offer. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I'm sure many of our listeners are looking forward to that and busily adding uh, adding some of your tours to their to their post pandemic wish list. And we'll have a link to your website as well in our show notes, um, so that you're easy for easy for folks to find if they are interested in learning more. Um, So. Um, I just want to come back to your time at Brock. You mentioned that you had visited Paris, um, but it seems like it was a really an exchange um, opportunity in in the south of France that that really perked perked your interest. And I, I was wondering if you have any, um, if if maybe there were any key moments or um, particular memories um, that that you have from from your time working on your French degree. Well, just the the dream of going to, you know, attending Brock uh, from from day one. My, as I mentioned, my hometown is Thorold, Ontario, which is just next door to Brock. My mom works across the street um, from Brock University. So I, even as a little girl, in going to visit my mom at her work, seeing uh, the tower, the Brock Tower, it was always a dream to attend Brock, you know, and as I grew older, I always wondered, would I step foot into the library or be part of the swim team? Because I used to, as a child, go swimming, do my swimming lessons at Brock. Um, So really just the first days of my Brock career was really a dream come true walking through those halls and and stepping foot into the classroom, seeing a few familiar faces and um, just getting to know my fellow students and and the professors. Um, So that was my number one, you know, dream come true. And then um, when this opportunity to study abroad came came about, um, it was at that moment that my grandma had suggested, my Nona, excuse me, suggested that I obtain my Italian citizenship. And so that was, um, you know, a blessing. It's one of the best things that I could have 
possibly done in my life because uh, that gives me the chance to live in Europe, live in Paris, work in Paris without really any boundaries. But this all came together really quickly. And I was in my second year of exams in driving back and forth to Toronto during that pressing time um, to sign all of the final documentations to get that shiny new passport in my hand. Um, You know, those are stressful memories. I wouldn't change it for the world now. Um, And with that shiny passport, along with my suitcase, along with um, several of my classmates setting off uh, to Italy and then to France. Um, And then, of course, throwing uh, the hat in the air, celebrating uh, graduation with my diploma as well. Excellent. Yes. Um, So you are well experienced in learning languages and exploring new cultures. So um, for maybe for some of our listeners or maybe potential students um, or people thinking that they'd like to pick up a new a new language, which seems to be a bit of a a hobby um, um, during the the pandemic, people wanting to brush up on on language skills. Um, What what advice do you have about about learning a second, third, fourth, whatever um, language? Go for it. You know, you don't have anything to lose. And having a a second language um, is really a blessing. You know, it gives us the um, ability to communicate with other people. Um, These days, the world is a very small place. And well, before the pandemic, people were traveling more, more than ever. And I imagine that's going to come back eventually, you know. Um, So having a second language, it will definitely open up a whole new world. And it will allow you to also learn about different languages and cultures and really give you a better um, appreciation for new traditions and religions and arts and history. And just from my experience, uh, being able to interact uh, with locals is is really a special feeling. So it really will boost your confidence as well. So without any hesitation, you know, download that app, sign up for that online course. I think it's such a... um, great thing to to have is a second or third or fourth language like you say and i find it interesting that you've you've um gone from one tourist tourism rich place to another tourism rich place i wasn't even thinking about that before we had talked but um how has having experience working with tourism here in niagara has that has that helped you and are tourists kind of the same the world over or is there a different sort of tourist that comes to Niagara versus comes to Paris? Oh, I think, um, well, well, first of all, yes, of course, working in the tourism industry um, back home uh, really kind of molded me for, for the experiences that were to come. You know, back then, again, I never thought that I would be moving to Paris, but um it really helped boost my confidence with interacting with people. Um, you know, it, when I'm home, I always go for a walk down at Niagara Falls and um, 
And even when I wasn't working, I would love to promote the local wine, uh, wineries and attractions, even in my own travels, if I heard somebody was going to Canada or to Niagara, Toronto, etc. Um, I think that it's, it's pretty much the same everywhere. I mean, the type of tourism may be a bit different, but what I've seen with the tourists back in Thorold, um, and Niagara in comparison to here in France is everybody is eager to uh, learn and to taste and to see. And one thing that really stands out in my mind is just seeing the amazement in the eyes of the tourists as you speak about the rich culture and history and point out these fine details and um, of, of the buildings and, and your surroundings. So, um, I, I think that everybody, no matter where they go, will have that same excitement building up and to see and to learn. Now, tourism in Paris was in the news just last year or just before the pandemic, I guess it was, um, when there was the tragic fire at Notre Dame um, Cathedral in Paris. What was it? Were you in Paris or France or somewhere in France at the time? And what was that uh, moment like to to experience that? Oh, yes. Well, um, the two-year anniversary is coming up just next week from the fire. And I was actually inside Notre Dame when the fire began. I was on a tour with a family, yep, from from the States. And um, it was one of the most tragic days of my life, really. You know, we weren't inside when Notre Dame burst into flames, but there was a mass going on at the time. And so we stopped, we watched the mass for a few moments, then we exited Notre Dame, took a few photos, went around back. Uh, It was cherry blossom season, just like now. It took a few photos with the cherry blossoms, a photo with the spire, and I... That family must be the last group of people to have a photo with the, the spire intact. Walked right around the front again with an ice cream. And that's when the first whiffs of smoke started coming out of the bell towers. And, uh, you know, we didn't know what was going on. And uh, we just watched wide-eyed as she, you know, became completely engulfed in flames. And it was just absolutely horrifying. You know, I burst into tears. That's one place that I visit, you know, almost on the daily when I'm working. And so to, to see uh, Notre Dame burn like that, it's just, it's still heartbreaking when I think about it. Um, they are making way though with the uh, renovations of Notre Dame. And uh, originally, you know, the French government was hoping that by the year 2024, when we host the Olympic Games in Paris, that the renovations would be complete by that time. I'm not sure if that will happen, if that will come to fruition, but uh, it's it's a nice goal and they're, they're, they're progressing in, in the renovation works. Yeah, I, re- I certainly remember where I was um, when, when, when I heard, heard the news and it, it was it was quite stunning to see uh, to to see the images, and and I can only imagine and sympathize what it must have been like to to have to have been there um, at that. 
momentous moment in uh, in in history for the people of Paris. And when Notre Dame has been uh, standing tall and proud in the heart of Paris for over 850 years, um, so she's just getting a little bit of a facelift. She'll be as good as new, hopefully, in no time. Well, I don't want to end on a sad note, and you certainly have given us some opt- optimism. And, and I know I, I have seen in the in the news myself. I've seen some articles about about the progression of of repairs there. But what kinds of things are you looking forward to um, doing again, or uh, places that you want to visit? Kind of, what's your your post pandemic um, dream that uh, that that keeps you going right now? Well. Even after seven and a half years of living in Paris, my bucket list continues to get longer pretty much every week. And pre-pandemic, you know, I definitely would try to check off an item or two of that bucket list, uh, you know, weekly. But working in tourism, meeting uh, folks along the way, they'd say, April, have you been here? Have you done this? And so my bucket list would continuously grow. So I'm really looking forward to uh, being able to you know, wander again freely to check out some of those attractions and even some of the smaller museums and galleries. Um, But what I'm really aching for is a glass of rosé on a terrace. (laughs) Oh, that sounds lovely. That sounds lovely. And especially on a spring day like today. (laughs) Very sunny. The the weather's beautiful here. But I think that's... uh, most French people would have that same response. The terrace life is, you know, the the heart and the soul of French culture. And so if you were to talk to any French person, I'm sure, you know, 99% would say the same, uh, sitting on a terrace, watching the world go by. After all, um, people watching is the national sport here in France. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for your time. We will let you get back to your uh, your work and relaxation in Burgundy. And um, thank you again. It's it's it has been a real pleasure to uh, to have you on this episode. Yes, thank you so much, Allison. It's been uh, great chatting with you. Thank you so much for listening to Forward. Find all of our footnotes, links to more information, transcripts, and past episodes on our website, rockyou.ca forward slash humanities. We love to hear from our listeners, so please join us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Rock Humanities. Please subscribe and rate us as well on your favorite podcasting app so you will never miss an episode. Forward is hosted and produced by Alison Innes for the Faculty of Humanities at Brock University. Our sound design and editing is done by Nicole Arndt. Theme music is by Khalid Imam. Special thanks to Brock University's Makerspace and Brock University Marketing and Communications for studio and web support. This podcast is financially supported by the Faculty of Humanities at Brock University.